listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 16th of September. Later, the growing property problem in China, which the market may be discounting at the moment, according to one of our analysts. But first, to Australia's jobs market where the unemployment rate fell unexpectedly to 4.5%. That is a 12 and a half year low in August, but the participation rate declined by 0.8 percentage points to 66%. More importantly, hours worked, they slumped 66 million in August. So to make sense of all of that, I spoke earlier to Carlos Cacho, the chief economist at Jardin Group. Carlos, Australia's biggest economies are in lockdown, yet the unemployment rate fell to 12 and a half year low. Why? Well, that's because to be counted to, to be unemployed, you need to be actively looking for work. And of course, given lockdowns and the government's COVID disaster payments, a lot of people who may not be working right now aren't actually looking for a job. That means that they're not counted uh, as unemployed, even if they lost work. On top of that, we also saw people who previously were counted as unemployed stop looking for work because there's just not that many jobs out there or they wouldn't actually be able to go into a workplace anyway. So what's a better measure of the true nature of the labour force right now? I think the best number to focus on at the moment is hours worked because that's going to show you a truer reflection of what's actually happening in the labour market with a lot less distortions. And on that measure, we saw hours worked down almost 4% in August. It's down about 5.5% since lockdown started. And in New South Wales, it's down a pretty massive 13%, which is more than we saw during the first wave of COVID in 2020. So just quickly back on that headline rate, I'm curious, when you take all that into consideration and the participation rate, right, what do you see as the true unemployment rate? Well, look, that's that's a, a difficult and tricky question. You could look at the underutilisation rate, which is about 13 or 14%. Some people like to look at that. If you add in the number of people who are working zero hours, you'd get an unemployment rate closer to about 10%. Um, but I don't really think that's a, a good reflection because a lot of those people who have been stood down are probably going to start working again once restrictions end. So I think it's a bit unfair to classify them as unemployed. Is it all to do with New South Wales? By and large, it is. So New South Wales has been the biggest driver of this month's data. Victoria had been weaker in June, uh, but it's since recovered a bit. It'll probably be softer again in September, given the lockdowns there. We've seen a little bit of softening in Queensland, but overall, it's, um, it's really a story about New South Wales and the restrictions in Sydney and regional New South Wales. What do these numbers suggest about the way employers feel about staffing when the economy reopens and are they still holding on to these employees? Um, it's a bit hard to tell from these numbers, but if you look at some of the other data around the labour market, like employer intentions or vacancies um, or job ads, it does suggest that we are seeing employers remain pretty buoyant when it comes to their hiring intentions. And we've only really seen some very marginal softening in those figures. Um, they all remain well above average and above where they were pre-COVID. And to me, this suggests that many businesses are going to try and retain their staff um, so that they can get up and running again when lockdowns end. In fact, given how big the problems were around labour shortages pre-lockdowns, it's likely that many firms are worried if they actually let their staff go, they might not be able to find people to fill those roles when they can reopen. Okay, so in, in other words, you know how we've seen 150,000 jobs lost in this particular report. Does it suggest that those jobs will be regained? 
I think so. To be counted as uh, a job lost by the ABS, you just have to have not worked for the last six weeks. Even if you know you're stood down and you expect you're going to go back to work when things reopen, uh, you'll still be counted as as having lost your job. Uh, For example, a good friend of mine is a barber and him and all his staff are not working at the moment. They would be counted as unemployed in this report because, or as not employed in this report because they haven't worked since the end of uh, June. But as soon as restrictions end in uh, in August, I'll sorry in October, I'll be back in there and I'll be getting my hair cut and that'll be employed again. <laughs> we'll all be getting our hair cut. And finally, um, population data is out today. It showed that population grew only zero point one percent in the year to the end of March. How does this play out in the economy and especially the jobs market? Uh, it's it's a really important thing, a theme for the economy over the last year. We've seen net migration turn uh, negative with about 100,000 people leaving Australia in the last 12 months, whereas normally we have about 240,000 people coming in. Um, that means that we're seeing less demand growth, so GDP is weaker than it would otherwise be, but it also means a lot less supply of labour. Normally, we see about 340,000 increase annually in the working age population. Um, So without those migrants coming in, we're actually seeing much, much weaker working age population growth. And that means the supply of labour is increasing at a much slower rate. At the same time, thanks to the strong economic rebound we've seen uh, post-COVID, we've seen very strong demand for labour. And what that means is that the unemployment rate is falling much faster now than it had than it would have done previously and that it has in previous cycles. Carlos Cacho there from Jardin Group to the Australian share market now, which rose, the S&P A6200 at 7,460. That's an increase of 0.6%. But is the market missing a growing problem in China? For more, I spoke earlier with Angus Geddes. He's the CEO at Fat Profits. Angus, shares are up today. Why? We had a positive night on Wall Street. Uh, I think sentiment's um, been boosted by the, uh, the the rises we saw in um, uh, in the United States. Also, we had a better night in commodities. With all the base metals higher, that's had a flow-on effect to the mining sector, which is higher today, with, of course, the exception of iron ore. There's a bit of a story bubbling in China. It hasn't really affected the Australian share market right now. What, what can you tell me about it? Well, I think it's looking quite serious and perhaps more serious than some of the slowdowns we've seen in the property market in China before. Evergrande, which is the largest property uh, construction uh, uh, company in China, is in a lot of trouble. And, uh, you know, it looks like uh, it's in need of a major bailout by the government, which could see shareholders wiped out. Uh, I think it is quite a serious issue for China, given the, uh, the knock-on implications for other property companies uh, within the sector. How do you think it'll impact Australia? Well, look, uh, if if the China property market continues to slow down and it actually spills over into the broader economy and China uh, slows more than you know what, what uh, analysts are expecting, it could impact their consumption at some point. And, of course, that then could knock on to demand for commodities and iron ore and steel and all the base metals that we export to China. Uh, The big news story locally is this nuclear submarine deal between Australia, the UK and US. Are there any market implications, whether it be interest in uranium or defence companies, for example? Look, I think the big one is perhaps rising geopolitical tensions with China and Australia. I mean, we could see more uh, adverse uh, trade-related deals impacted because of it. 
Uh, in terms of uh, the actual economy, this deal really just displaces the one that we've got in place now with the French. So I don't think it has any sort of major economic impacts. Uh, but of course, you know, the fact that more and more countries are turning to uranium probably means that the price of uranium will continue to rise, uh, particularly, you know, with, with climate change and the need for nuclear energy. And, and just finally, Telstra today delivered its T25 strategy. It include another half a billion dollars worth of cost cutting through, the, through to 2025. How does Telstra look to you? Look, I think uh, the outlook for Telstra looks really, really positive. Uh, you know, they've succeeded with the cost out uh, restructuring program that's worked really well. Andy Penn's uh, secured another three years as CEO. He's doing a very good job. And of course, um, you know, the big growth driver for Telstra over the next five years is going to be the rollout of 5G. And Telstra really is the clear leader in that space. Uh, clearly, you know, Australia is going to be needing 5G uh, and, and that sort of uh, that connectiveness uh, in the future, with the demand for dem- data likely likely to continue to go up. Angus Geddes there from Fat Profits. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.